0: boy, I wish things would get back to normal. How many times have I thought that? How many times I have heard that over the past year? To be quite honest with you, I'm tired of the regulations. I'm tired of the safe distancing. I'm tired of the mask. I'm tired of the isolation that people find themselves in this society of ours right now because of this COVID virus, such as in nursing homes, where some of the residents of these nursing homes say that they would rather die than be separated from their families. And yet they're being isolated from their families so that they won't die. Interesting. And we have heard from prominent, powerful, very rich people that this pandemic has given us the opportunity for a great reset. Have you heard that? A reset. Be careful when you hear that word reset, because what do they mean by the reset? They mean that the Christian and Judeo concept of living, so to speak, is old and obsolete. And with this reset of theirs, all we need is our great human resources and our genius, our own minds. And we'll have all the answers to the world's problems. If these people really believed in God, perhaps they would say that God can mind his own divine business. That we know what the world needs, but I think a lot of these people are actually atheists. Some of them, probably most of them, are eugenicists. They think that there's too many people in the world. They want to give people who away. They want to kill people. Let's just call it what it is. They want to kill people. To make a world a better place. And we know this whole lie about the population explosion is just that, a lie, it's a myth. I remember back in 1974, years and years ago, just after Roe v. Wade was passed uh, by the Supreme Court and um, uh, I remember that there was this professor, a pro-life professor, who wrote a book about the myth of the population explosion. He said there was no such thing. In fact, we need more people. And he said in his book, of course, the numbers might change now because that was quite a while ago, but he said in his book back in the 1970s that if you took every man, woman, and child in the entire world, and put them shoulder-to-shoulder together, they would fill up the state of Rhode Island. He said that if you took every family in the world and gave each of those families five acres of land, they would all fit in the state of Texas. And he said in his book, if you prove me wrong, I will give you $10,000 but how can you deny the facts? How can you deny the facts? We don't have an overpopulation explosion. In fact, our problem is that we don't have enough people. You know, in Genesis, God said, go and be fruitful and fill the earth. Multiply. Not practice birth control. And so, we have countries like Russia who know that they have a real problem, they have a dying population, they're not having enough children to replenish their population. So you want to know what they're doing in Russia today? They're offering parents money to have children. Imagine that. Imagine that. Yes. But these eugenicists, these powerful, rich people, who are trying to promote the great reset, think that we have to get rid of people. During this reset, our liberties will be eliminated one by one, one at a time. For example, we have censorship in America now, right? Censorship. Our our freedom of speech, has been breached. We have that code word now, disinformation. If you go and say something that's true, but they don't like it, that crowd doesn't like it, they will say, you are disinforming people. Shame on you. You have no right to say that. So it's getting to the point where we cannot speak the truth. So we have this great reset in the works and it will bring on tyranny, believe you me. And we see it now with the Equality Act that was just passed by the House of Representatives in Washington and now it's going to go before the Senate and I pray to God that that act will not be passed. They have this act in beautiful packaging, right? They say this is to protect the dignity of every human being. Well, is the church against that? If anybody has fought for the dignity of every human being, it is the Catholic Church, where we believe that each individual is unique, precious, and unrepeatable. We believe in the sanctity of life, but that's not what this bill is about. This bill is about taking away our religious liberty It's about ideological conformity. If I don't agree with this particular immoral behavior of this individual, and I say so, I'm guilty of hate speech. And that's going to have serious repercussions for us priests, let me tell you. Because if they pass that act, our preaching here at the Fathers of Mercy will be illegal. But we're going to do it anyway. So we have this new reset that's coming, and it's a grave threat to our religious liberty. But do we really just want to go back to the normal? As I started off this homily, I wish things were just normal again. No, we don't want to go back to the normal. If going back to the normal means abortion, 100,000 abortions daily worldwide here, if it means euthanasia, if it means divorce, if it means sexual abuse, if it means violence in the streets, vandalism and theft, if it means empty churches, if it means lukewarmness, no, I don't want to go back to normal. There's got to be something better than this. And God loves us too much to allow us to continue down this path. So, as with any good parent, he's gonna step in. He is. It's time for a deep cleaning, it's time for a purification. As one author says, but even this is love, though it is tough love. The great shaking of the church and the world is necessary not because God has to vent like some exasperated tyrant but in order to save the greatest number of souls. Hence, justice is love. Justice is also mercy. As countries continue to expand abortion laws, redefine human nature, and experiment with our own very DNA, it seems that collectively, humanity will no longer acknowledge God in any other way than for God to step in like any good parent would do. I can't help but to think of Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of the Christ. And during that movie, there's that beautiful scene, one of the most beautiful scenes in all of the movie, when our Lord fell under the weight of the cross, and his mother ran out to him to console him. And it's a very beautiful scene. And do you remember what our Lord told his mother? Mother, I begin to make all things new. In the middle of his passion, when everything looked so bleak, when everything looked horrible, all of his friends abandoned him, they ran for the hills. He says, mother, I begin to make all things new through this passion of mine. Because that's the only thing that's going to save the world. That's the only thing that's going to save people. They need to be purified. And the church, the mystical body of Christ, is facing her own passion today. And it's not fun. Deep cleaning and purification is inconvenient. Sometimes it hurts. But believe it or not, this should not surprise us. The passion of the church should not surprise us because it's what the church teaches. If you pick up the Catechism of the Catholic Church, you will read this. Before Christ's second coming, the church must pass through a final trial that will shake the the faith of many believers. The church will enter the glory of the kingdom only through the final Passover when she will follow her Lord in his death and resurrection. That's from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, Numbers 675 and 677. That's what the church teaches, which brings us to today's gospel reading. The beautiful transfiguration of our Lord. And Christ's transfiguration aims at strengthening the apostles' faith in anticipation of his passion. He wanted to give them the necessary assistance to, able, to be able to move on as they watched him suffer through his passion. And so the church, in her wisdom, wants us to consider that today in our own passion that we are going through because the church wants us to be clear. The church wants us to recognize that the passion is not the end of the story, the resurrection is, and we see God in His glory, His tremendous glory. And you know, sometimes God gives individuals special experiences of grace that will strengthen their faith. And that's what he had to do with those three apostles. Because he knew if they didn't have that special grace, they would falter. And as we know, they'd faltered anyway. But they were able to fall back on this after they repented. And so it's very important for us To recognize the fact that the apostles needed this very much and so do we today. As sacred scripture says, rejoicing in the Lord must be our strength. Not complaining. You'll never hear that in sacred scripture that complaining is our strength. But rather rejoicing in the Lord must be our strength. In fact, St. Paul says rejoice. I say it again, rejoice. And this is a man who was stoned. This is a man who was beaten and whipped. And yet he says rejoice. Because we cannot let this passion that we are going through cause us to lose our faith. You know, the miracle of the transfiguration isn't necessarily the fact that our Lord manifested his glory. Archbishop Fulton Sheen used to say the real miracle is the fact that our Lord hid his glory for 33 years when he wanted to just burst forth and show his divinity, but he couldn't. Why? Because he would be unapproachable. Remember in the Old Testament when Moses saw Yahweh The people were afraid of him because his face was bright and he had to wear a veil over his face. And so if our Lord lived in his glory through his 33 years here on earth, there would have had to be a bubble around him. Uh, I don't know, there would have had to be something to hide that glory because we would not have been able to handle it. So in his goodness and his mercy, he wanted to remain approachable. And we can say the same thing about his presence in the most blessed sacrament. He is there, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Make no mistake about it. And every once in a while, he'll perform one of those special miracles, those special graces to wake us up and to help us to realize that he really is there. I'm thinking of the great miracle of Lanciano. Italy, where the Eucharist literally turned in human, into human flesh and the wine literally turned into human blood. And this was hundreds of years ago. And St. Paul VI allowed a commission of Protestant doctors to experiment and to do experiments on the sacred species. And they found out that the flesh was from a cardiac muscle. It was from a heart. They found out that the blood still had proteins in it, which is only evident in fresh blood. Uh, Human blood loses its proteins soon after it leaves the body. In other words, living. It's living. It's real. And if he wanted to manifest himself right now, he could, but he doesn't want to because he wants to remain approachable. And yet, how many people ignore him? How many people ignore him? That's why we've been pleading for the past year Please make yourself available to him. You need him in order to build your faith. Because let me tell you, people are going to, destruct, or they're going to try to destroy our faith. The evil one is going to try to destroy our faith. During these very trying and confusing times, we have to pray that God will strengthen our faith. Remember, faith is a virtue, but faith is a gift. We can lose it if we don't nourish it. If we don't read the sacred scriptures, if we don't receive the sacraments, our faith is in danger of dying. And it's very important for us, if we're going to nurture the faith, to to pay attention to the true magisterium of the church. There are false magisteriums of the church right now teaching heresy. How do we remain faithful to the true magisterium of the church? This is my suggestion. Pick up the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Read it. Get to know it. Form groups that are going to read it together. Get to know it. That's how you're going to know what the true magisterium of the church teaches. Pick up the encyclicals of the various Holy Fathers. Read them. That is what the church teaches. We have to remember what St. Paul said in the first chapter of his letter to the Galatians, verse 6. I am amazed that you are so often deserting him who called you in accord with this gracious design in Christ and are going over to another gospel, but there is no other. Some who wish to alter the gospel of Christ must have uh, confused you, for even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel not in accord with the one we deliver to you, let a curse be upon him." End of quote. So if a nun, if a catechist, if a director of religious education, if a deacon or a priest or a bishop, or a cardinal comes up to me and says something that is contrary to the catechism of the Catholic Church, I have every right to say to that person, I'm sorry, but the church does not teach that. It's that simple. So as this confusion continues to grow around us, I plead with you, Please look at what the true magisterium of the church really teaches. You know, Curtis Martin once said that the Catechism of the Catholic Church is the greatest commentary ever written on sacred scripture. Why? Because the Catechism of the Catholic Church is chock full of references to the sacred scriptures. You want to know how to interpret the sacred scriptures properly? Go to the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And that is, I believe, the reason why St. John Paul II made sure that that was one of his primary duties, and that was to have this Catechism of the Catholic Church for us to read and to get grounded in our faith because he knew what was coming. He and the other popes made plenty of warnings. Not many people heeded their voices. But today, when we're thinking about the transfiguration, we have to remember that, yes, we're going through this passion, but then there's going to be a great era of peace that Our Lady of Fatima promised us. St. John Paul II called it the new springtime. It's something to look forward to. Many of the saints have talked about this. It's not the end. It's the beginning. Because our Lord will make everything new according to the truth. According to the truth. Don't get caught up in the lies. Focus on the truth. And you will not lose your faith. God bless you.